This week, an unearthly child. From the BBC website, school teachers Barbara Wright and Ian Chesterton become intrigued by one of their pupils, Susan Foreman, and visit her home address, a junkyard at 76 Totters Lane, where they meet her grandfather, the Doctor. The Doctor and Susan are aliens who travel through time and space in their ship, the TARDIS, which looks like an ordinary police box but actually houses a huge gleaming control room. The TARDIS takes them all to a Paleolithic landscape where they encounter a tribe that has lost the secret of fire. There were leaders before there was fire. Fire will kill us all in the end. You should have killed the four strangers. Killed them. You're listening to Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. A lovingly fanish but often critical look at all eras of Doctor Who. We're overeducated, sex positive, LGBTQIA plus friendly, and often quite meandering. We're also happily married. Spoilers, a disrespect for the Moffat era, and other adult content may be easily found within. And don't seek a play there. What? Well, child remember if you can, how you and the others found your way here. Concentrate on that, please. Yes, okay. yes, I'll try. You're, you're trying to help me. Fear makes companions of all of us, Miss Wright. I never once thought you were afraid. Fear is with all of us and always will be. Just like that other sensation that lives with it. What's that? Well, uh, your companion referred to it. Hope. You're laughing at me. No, I'm laughing at the part of the description. It's, it's like, so here's this doctor guy and he's got a TARDIS. Now let me explain to you what a TARDIS is. Yes. So, welcome to episode 27 of Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. Hold on, let me make sure that I actually do have that. Yes, this is episode 27 of yes. Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. Yeah. We are officially through talking about series 8 and uh, all of Modern Who for a while, although mm -hmm. we may uh, kind of come back and do some uh, some David Tennant and Christopher Eccleston episodes. In fact, I can guarantee it. Yeah. Um... But for, uh, I think for the next uh, little while, we're going to be doing mostly uh, Classic Who. Mm -hmm. um, so starting with this episode, we are actually starting a kind of new project where I'm introducing Shana to a lot of the classic series and doing it through the lens of looking at all the companions. So uh, what better place to start than in the very first episode mm -hmm. of An Earthly Child, where we get to meet uh, for the first time, well, everybody, but uh, three whole new companions. Uh, yeah. Ian, Barbara, and Susan. Susan. <laughs> like, can we just add a sound effect every time one of us says her names that's like her weird scream? That's, that's probably too annoying for me to edit, and uh, that would make us sound a little bit like, uh, too much like drive time radio, I think. <laughs> um, you know, I'd rather How not... How did you know that was the effect I was going for? I'd rather not be Ira and the douche, you know. <laughs> the uh, douche. From uh, Parks and Recreation. Yeah. Um, another show we love. Anyway, yeah. um, today we're talking about Doctor Who. We're talking about An Unearthly Child. Yes. Um, I'm excited to, to finally get back to doing Classic Who and to do another Liam Hartnell close. Well, um, and you know, An Unearthly Child, I think this is the third time I've watched it. It's it's one of the few classic episodes that I've actually seen several times. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Um, and um, we will be covering all four parts. Not so an earthly child, and then the the whole hundred thousand BC. Some people think of an earthly child as just the first episode. We're covering the whole. Um, the cavemen are included here. So okay, so now Daniel gets to have a moment where he reiterates a story he told to me earlier because apparently I'm not a good enough fan. Uh, please explain. 
uh, where the 100,000 BC title for the episode comes from. Uh, well, it was kind of in the early production documents, although it is not actually an on-screen title for any of the episodes. Um, and it's kind of arguable when it takes place. Was there another story I was supposed to tell? Because you said, you said, what was it, acquired fan wisdom? <laughs> Received fan wisdom. Received fan wisdom. I learned this is, a term today. This, this is a term that you're going to have to learn. I'm just saying, you know, I learned um, it. And other people who listen might also learn it. Yes. I did not know about received fan wisdom as being somewhat part of Doctor Who canon. At so, least that there was a specific <laughs> phrase for it. <laughs> so you have to keep in mind when you're looking at these really old episodes, uh, you know, the show, the original show ran from 63 to 89. And uh, for most of that time, there was no such thing as like a VCR. Like right. you couldn't really rewatch a lot of the episodes, especially I mean a bunch of them were destroyed and yes. some of them have been rediscovered since then. Yes. But So um, I understand that this phrase is kind of a historical artifact of Doctor Who fandom, right. but like well, I just I, wanted to address it cuz I thought it was like so I I'm I'm a geek about words and phrases and this was a phrase I had never heard before and he looked at me like I was the biggest idiot ever. For I about not, a half a second. I did not. I, I think you're overstating things. For like a half a second. And then the other half a second kicked in where you were like, oh, right. I'm a huge Doctor Who geek. Oh, oh right. Why I've, would I expect her to know that? I've immersed myself in this subculture for, you know, two or three years now. And you have not. No. Um, so, although we're going to Chicago TARDIS, so we're going to get yes. to... Uh, and we're, we're pretty excited about that. Hoping to see some people... Yeah, um, we got some business cards we're going to hand out. Hopefully some people will uh, yeah. like us and want to listen to our podcast. So Vistaprint it, it, helped us make some really cute business cards. N- an official plug for them. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't get any money from Vistaprint none. for saying that. None at no, all. No, we really don't. Like, no money. We yeah. have none. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so we're going to be at Chicago TARDIS. We're going to be at Chicago TARDIS. This will be the episode that was hopefully up when we're at Chicago TARDIS. Yes. So it may be the first episode that people listen to from us. Oh. Uh, high new people if they're there. Hopefully. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. You know, it would be nice. Um, Chicago TARDIS was a blast. It was so great to meet you. Yes. Although... <laughs> We haven't gone yet, but we're actually recording this on the 51st anniversary. Yes, of the ha- show. happy 51, which put into kind of stark realization that it has actually been a year of 50th anniversary stuff. A year since the 50th anniversary. Yes. Yeah. So since we saw that, um, since we saw Day of the Doctor, which you know, in retrospect, since this uh, series with Capaldi feels. Many moons ago. Yeah, no. It, I mean, it's it's funny to like go back and go, wow, I remember watching that a year ago. You know, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. seem like it's been a full year, but mm-hmm. it obviously has. And time flies when you're having Doctor Who fun. Yeah, and we've been podcasting for almost a year now, so you know. Wow, since, we're geeks since I think February or March. So yeah, we're like serious geeks. We've been that for a while. Anyway, we're we're like seven minutes into the actual recording on this, and we haven't done any discussion of an earthly child. I so, win. Yeah. I don't know if that's how I win at the podcast, but that's what I do. You win. You win the podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> we're not actually going to talk about an earthly child today. Just kidding. No, we have to because I love this episode. 
Uh, indeed. Uh, well, uh, let's start off. Let's let's um, since we are kind of looking at this through the lens of the companions, mm-hmm. let's start off talking about the companions. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, you know, what you think of, for instance, Susan, which I think. Uh, yeah. So I have a love hate relationship with Susan. Like you know, I think much seen, of the fandom. You've seen the Susans. Uh, the only Susan episodes you've seen are this one and the Daleks, I believe. I don't think you've seen anything else with Susan in it. Well, okay. So Daniel spent two years watching all of of Hoodum. Uh I did not see more than those two episodes with her, but I have overheard and watched bits and pieces of many episodes. Right. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying no, no, to like no, clarify. I, yeah. That's what you've seen. Yeah, so that far, is what I've know. seen. But to clarify to our our audience, I've seen more than just that. Just not whole episodes and. Right. um there's a lot I find really interesting about her. Um, I She is a really charming mix of adorably cute and also very alien looking. She looks very Vulcan to kind of bring yes, in. Like yeah. it's a little bit anachronistic to say that. But like you look at her, especially in the first episode here, mm-hmm. she's got that kind of black hair and, you know, she kind of looks like a mm-hmm. Vulcan in this. Um, yeah, she has a slightly off look. look to her that I love. It feels kind of Tim Burton-y. You know who did her hair in this episode, in episode one? What was it, Verity? No, Vidal Sassoon himself actually did. No shit. Yeah, I found that out when I was reading the. Uh, I the, mean, that the is Tardis kind Wiki of like the Sassoon or... Bob. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Kind of one of those things. I I was just I thought Jesus. I'd lay a little fashion history on you because that doesn't usually happen. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. That was nice. Yeah, uh, and the anyway. shirt she's wearing in this is actually her own shirt. Oh, it's super cute. And she apparently wears it in another movie she did later. Oh, so you know. Um, anyway. Just full of, full of little factoids. Yeah. And in oh, the unaired pilot, the Doctor wore a, like, black suit. Like a, you know, Reservoir Dog style, almost, like, black suit. Um, I much prefer the weird little fur hat. Yeah, and the Victorian garb, definitely. Yeah, love it. Um, but, uh, but, but anyways, more when about you, When you rewatch the pilot, the unaired pilot, he kind of looks like a badass. It's kind of like, wow, you know, Hartnell comes in and... Says the diehard Tarantino fan. Well, you know, Anyway. Anyway, Susan, what do you Susan, think of Susan beyond? So she has these great little moments where I think the actress really captures the kind of essence of young girl in, um, who is alien, but also very connected to human culture and like appreciative of it and wanting her grandfather to care about these people too. Um, because in this, in this, Episode, story arc, whatever we want to call it. Four-part episode. In Um, this story. In this story, uh, the Doctor is specifically saying, like, I don't like this century. (laughs) You know? And and she's sitting there, like, listening to, like, hip music and... Um, so I, I really genuinely enjoy the teenageness of her, for yeah, lack yeah. of a better word. She's very much a mix, and and I think this is the thing. Caroline Ford is is a really wonderful actress here. I think mm-hmm. everybody is a, is a good mm-hmm. actress in this ep- or a good actor in this episode. Um, Caroline Ford does a really great job, I think, kind of bringing that alienness, but also that like being interested in mm-hmm. you know the culture they're actually immersed in. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely get a sense of like, the kind of dichotomy of that character. Um, you really get a sense of her being both really smart and really young at the mm-hmm. same time and it's unfortunate that like after 
you know, pretty much after the first 25 minutes of this, you mm-hmm. really never get to see that element of her again. Yeah, um, and, and that she that is the downside sh- of this character. <laughs> she does get to show some psychic powers in uh, The Keys of Marinus. Okay, um, I have not seen that. Um, and, uh, which, it'll be a while, that's that's not a good episode, but um, <laughs> she, does get to see, she does get to do a little bit of stuff, but for the most part, Susan has this kind of one thing where they say she's a genius, and she's, you know, this weird kid, and all this. And then she'll discover this weird thing and just be like yeah and then she just makes that noise yeah it's oh my god that Um, poor girl she basically just screamed for most of her career well at least for her time on doctor who and it's kind of unfortunate because i think barbara is so cool oh my gosh very lambert kind of i think that you know you kind of get that all the feminism kind of went to barbara all the kind of badass Mm -hmm. like being cool stuff and Susan ends up being just the, like, oh, and then there's a, this little kid that's going to, like, get caught and stuff. And yeah, and get frustrated and tired. and yeah. She gets real pouty in other episodes. And very defensive of, of the Doctor. Like, very, like, grandfather. Yeah. Grandfather's uh, wonderful. Yeah. Where'd grandfather go? Grandfather would know. Grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do that a little too well there, baby. Girl. Grandfather. Anyway, uh, um, so moving on to Barbara. So moving on, yeah, let's let's do Barbara next. Um, and please let's because shush. she's amazing. Shush. Jacqueline Hill. Uh, yeah. No. Um, shush. What do you, what she do you, is awesome though. Like she is to awesome. Be fair. Yeah. Um. Well, the first thing I want to say, and this is commentary on both uh, she and Ian Chesterton. Sure. Uh, their first scene together. I had not watched it in a while, mm-hmm. and when it plays through i god i think it was like the first five minutes of the episode where they're just talking about uh where they're talking about susan yeah there's this really wonderful moment and it is the simplest set and they are just in simple costumes and you have barbara walk in and and talking about being frustrated with susan and not because susan is smart and making her look bad which we have seen in more recent episodes we're really trying not to talk about that but trying like, not to I, we're, we're gonna have to touch on that in a minute yeah. but um... um and there's this really wonderful moment where uh they have one pretty short conversation and yet we learn so much about these characters and the setting and you see Barbara and Ian really having respect for each other as professionals, um, which isn't always true in Doctor Who. And um, they're totally eye-fucking each other. Yes, and there there is flirtation, but it's <laughs> it's also like, I don't know, like I hate to say that it's tasteful, um, but right. it, feels, it feels very realistic. It doesn't feel like... Um, I'm being asked to suspend my disbelief so quickly as much as it is setting up kind of like the beginning of a horror movie. It very much has this. I mean, I think really, particularly the first, you know, the first episode on Unearthly Child, mm-hmm. that first 25 minutes, it really feels like this could be the first 25 minutes of a movie. It mm-hmm. could be, you know, uh, the Doctor is almost presented as this, um, you know, this mad scientist character, but a... Uh, a dark figure like a, a oh yeah a very uh, he could be the villain of this piece yeah you know? well and um, when they first um show up he he kind of is like 
I couldn't give two shits about you. Get out of here, basically. Right. Um, and then, but he, anyways. then he kind of figures out, oh, well, I can't. We have to leave now if we're because they're going to tell people and then our yeah. cover's going to be blown. And it's, you know, it's interesting that at this time, you know, you really don't get the sense that these that, that the Doctor and Susan have been traveling for very long together. No. Um, I think some... Some fans kind of interpret things a little differently. They're kind of whether the Doctor and Susan have been traveling for some extended time or not. Mm-hmm. I really don't think so, at least not as the Doctor as we know him, just because this is a very different Doctor. Yeah, he's such a different Doctor. Um, I, I kinda, But anyways. Anyway, so. Pausing and going back to Barbara. Because she's awesome. Because she's awesome. Um, one of the things I also really like about Barbara is that here is a character that is a woman. Um, caring about a child, but it, it's not that forced maternal situation. Like, it's not, oh, she's concerned because she's the lady. Um, right. she, there are these things that are starting to pile up. It's very scientific. It's, it's, you know, I noticed this and I noticed this and I noticed this and they're putting the clues together. And yes, Ian doesn't really believe it. Um, right. and he's like, yeah, sure, we'll go follow her. Um, and he's kind of being flirty, but when they get there and they're waiting and he kind of admits that, she's like, well, if I thought I was wasting my time, I would have just gone home. Like, yeah, she's, Barbara is probably the most practical character to ever have existed in Doctor Who history. And I love that about her. Yeah, no, it's an amazing, um, again, because, amazing performance. And so. because later when we're, and I'm like skipping way forward in the plot here, um, but later when we see the villains of the episode get hurt right in front of them, she's the one that says we have to save them. Right. Um, she's the one that's like, we need to help save Zaw. And Ian, again, who's kind of a dick a little bit in this Ian, episode. Ian's, Ian's a bit of a dick. Um... You know, he, he gets to be very doodly, and I think that that's part of it. They're like, oh, look, what a man. He's such a dick sometimes. But he's he says to he's her... He's a little bit of a blockhead, I mean, honestly, yeah. you know. He says to her, you know, you must have tons of stray cats and dogs in your apartment. And she says, it's a human. This is a person. Oh, yeah. And that element um, of the show, that kind of really basic respect for, you know, this is another being. This is, you know... Um, I care about this other being not because I know about it or anything. I care about it because I know it's another being, and that's well, the way that you should be. It's empathy, and I yeah. think that one of the things, we are jumping a little bit ahead, but one of the things that the um, the tribe in the episode is that they do lack empathy for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, they have not, you know, at least we're kind of, it's portrayed in this way, that this culture just doesn't, that these people just don't empathize in the way that we do they don't know the word friend for instance right um, it's a different kind of socialization and is what they're as kind much of proposing of what you know the the adventurers give them mm-hmm. is fire mm-hmm. but also how to use you know there's at least an attempt to use the modern society and modern morals uh in a positive way to to leave that behind with them I think that that's true about Barbara and the other bits that I've seen of her. Mm-hmm. Again, I've seen... Well, this This is going to come back again in the Aztecs. Um, yes. It's, it's a very strong part of the mm-hmm. Aztecs. Um, so, I mean, 
empathetic knowledge as female knowledge and there are things that we could quibble about about period sexism um but overall like barbara has a lot of agency she's really interesting she questions the doctor and ian she i mean she just kind of kicks ass she does and she continues to kick ass for pretty much the entire two years she's on the show yeah um so finally Ian. ian we should talk about ian um, so you mentioned he's a bit of a blockhead. Do tell. Uh, well, just in the sense of, you know, he's kind of portrayed as, like, the guy who knows science. Like, he, you know, Barbara is the school teacher who's the history person and Ian's the science person. Mm-hmm. But basically they kind of cast him. He's this square-jawed hero. He's the one who gets to come about and, like, mm-hmm. beat people up. And that's pretty much his role in the show he, is to be the action hero. He's you know? the dude. And, like, the dude in many ways. Um, he's not as bad as... Oh, what what's the guy who I want to punch in his face? Oh, uh... Darling. Oh, God, yeah, uh, Harry Sullivan. Oh, God, Sullivan yeah. fucking dick. Uh, he's not as bad as Sullivan. Um, oh, we're gonna have to watch another Harry Sullivan episode, I guess, to, Yeah. You know. God, he's obnoxious. Um, <laughs> but, and I think that's because instead of painting him as an emotionless uh, scientific character, he's kind of got a bit of that soldier, scientist, um, boy scout. Um, again, very Danny Pink in its own way. I was actually going to bring that up, and I, I don't want to turn this into a referendum on Series 8. but No, I, but it's, it's clear that Series 8 is responding to this. It's very clear that Series 8 is trying to go back to this dynamic of having the kind of action hero male figure, the more empathetic female figure. Mm-hmm. They're both school teachers. Um, and you even get kind of a Susan figure in a couple of episodes. Yeah, um, um, although I would note that the Susan figure... Uh, who we're talking about, Courtney. Courtney. Um, Courtney Trouble, but not. <laughs> yes. Um, and again, this is the last Moffat hate for the episode, yeah, hopefully. We... Um, the way that Courtney is portrayed makes her look kind of like an idiot, makes the, the teachers talking about her back a bad thing, makes her parents look like bad parents. It, it just it makes everybody look bad. Nobody looks good in that situation. No. In this situation, you have Barbara and Ian who are both sitting there being like, God, this kid is so brilliant mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of dumbfounded. But then she'll do like really friggin' weird things. Um, and <laughs> if, if this was like shot now, they'd probably be like, man, we should probably get her tested for a spectrum disorder. Like, you know, all, like they're just seriously concerned about this child. They're legitimately concerned about this child. And uh, I think it's... You know, interesting to note, you know, again, comparing it to series, you know, for me, the big idea of the first year or two of Doctor Who, particularly, Mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of see the Doctor learns to be a hero from Ian and Barbara. Mm -hmm. That Ian's, you know, to simplify, Ian's bravery and Barbara's empathy Mm -hmm. are kind of the two things that the Doctor then kind of gains. You know, this first Doctor, a a bit, you know, more than a bit of an officious prick, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it tells you something, just as aside and i like this joke i'm stealing it from somebody's tumblr the um what you need all you need to understand about gallifrey is the doctor the first doctor in this episode is not enough of an officious prick to fit in on gallifrey right like he leaves gallifrey because they are like stuffy and dickish Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 they're way too dickish for me. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much all you have to really understand about Gallifrey, yeah. um, which is a word that I don't think is going to be said for another ten years at this point. 
um, the word Time Lord doesn't show up for another seven. Right. Um, and you don't meet another member of the Doctor's species other than the Doctor and Susan for uh, like two years. Right. So, um, and they're not called Time Lords for a long time. So, uh, interesting how little of the canon was really in place at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, no. And it's <clears throat> so much more about the world building and the story. And the story here has really interesting dynamics. You have the whole issue with uh, the teachers being concerned with the child's well-being and then, um, you know, traveling through time and space. Uh, <laughs> and then you have, with the, the cavemen tribe, um, this really, I think, well-written and interesting and entertaining um, metaphor for, uh, um, excuse me, politics and religion and social groups and it's very shakespearean and macbeth feeling and you even very 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 much so um i think that you know let's let's leave behind the mm -hmm. first episode um and or the, the first yeah unearthly child and talk about the kind of caveman sequences because i think mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of go oh there's this brilliant 25 minute like beginning and then you get three episodes of cavemen running around and you know it's kind well, of and you know, people just talk about trying to get fire, and there's, you know, people really underestimate this episode, and I think that for me, you know, rewatching it, you really get, like, a sense of, there's this really in-depth political conversation happening, mm -hmm. that these are... And talk about God and spirituality. These, these are, these are, like, social, these are, these are tribe leaders who are fighting against one another, mm -hmm. and they each are both right and wrong, and they are each essentially thugs who will kill to mm -hmm. maintain that you know and you get that sense of you know it's not like there's a good guy group and a bad guy group mm -hmm. and you do see that a lot in doctor who it's something that you that you kind of keep coming yeah. back to and i love um, that that kind of moral ambiguity um, um, something that i wish the new series would do a little bit more yeah uh one quote though i want to put in my quote here because this is where it occurs um and i think it kind of this quote said at this point in time i think has a really interesting effect on how you view the caveman story. Sure. Um, right before they get off the TARDIS, mm -hmm. Ian is being very skeptical of like, I don't believe that we've gone anywhere. We're going to walk outside and we're still going to be in London. Um, and the doctor looks at him and says, if you could touch the alien sand and hear the cries of strange birds and watch them wheel in another sky, would that satisfy you? And it's this wonderful, really poetic moment, but also like just commentary on like, science and kind of what the rest of the episode is is like you know what do you need to see to believe me right you and know, what and is truth yeah you know, how do we know that it's true how do you you know yeah. i mean in a way you know ian is being you know he wants to see it and feel it and touch it and know that it's mm -hmm. there and he doesn't believe without the evidence of his senses and well i mean that's you know barbara kind of believes a little bit quicker because, you know, she's just convinced, like, yeah, like, look at how big this place is versus the how small it was on the outside and well, that sort of thing. And within the cavemen tribe, you have a similar kind of social balance. You have the um, older cave dudes. Um, oh, God, hold on a second. I just lost my train of thought. Well, you're you're ultimately talking about like, oh, I can make fire. This thing made fire from his right. fingertips. He has built a fire. So then, and they... people can either believe or not believe. Yeah. So the question of belief of what is authority. Right, and is so being you have right Ian and Barbara 
in, you know, our Doctor Who group, core group, and then you have Za and his fiance. Za and her. Za and her, which is like great. It would it would be really funny if it was Z and her, and then it could be like some like pre trans trans commentary. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you can't trans on the brain lately, baby girl. Sorry. Uh, trans Day of Remembrance, you know. Yeah, no, I, I'm in no way complaining. Yeah, it's just, no. Uh, very... uh, sorry, like, that was a complete side note, because uh, I just thought it was kind of um, inward. It is her with a U, not an I. So, I yeah. know. Anyway. Anyway, um, we know only because we watch with captions. Um, so you have this mutual dynamic of, like, women men couples and how they've been socialized to deal with situations and um and then also just the other members of the tribe and like again as you said how you navigate belief um but that that's where i brought in macbeth really um is her <laughs> uh zaz betrothed um is very much a lady macbeth um, and there are lots of really wonderful moments where you can see her agency within a sexist society or right. within, you know, a, a patriarchal society. Well, a, a, a we all follow this guy because yeah. he's the biggest and strongest and will, mm -hmm. you know, kill anybody that stands in his way. Oh, and he gives us food, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, the, these kind of tribal dynamics, which I... I'm not an anthropologist, but I'm oh, yeah. pretty sure even in 63 this wasn't really accurate, you know? No, but... Um, anthropology. But, you know, we're never actually told this is Earth. I mean, you know, if you read yeah. the, the commentary, this could be some other planet. It really so, could. You know, like, there's no reason this has to be an Earth society. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, then backing this whole kind of... And the reason I like I bring up Shakespeare is there actually are just some really well crafted lines even in Cavemanies. Um, there's the, the writing is really good here. The, the, it it really builds a world and a society yeah. and like the orb and the the sticks that can't bring the fire forth from the sticks and yeah. you know like put some of the dead fire on and yeah. that sort of thing. I mean you really get a sense of like who these people are in very just a quickly few lines of dialogue yeah like if you're paying attention there's a lot of really interesting detail here yeah and i think it's in you know we bring up shakespeare and i just want to kind of throw this in here mm -hmm. you know in 1963 you know the idea that the bbc government-run television would be kind of doing shakespeare is just sort of the thing that you expect to see on the bbc mm -hmm. you know it's like tuning into the pbs and it's like a big costume drama mm -hmm. uh the pbs sorry you turn into pbs and there's a costume drama on it's just sort of oh this is what we expect from pbs Yes. Um, and so the idea, I mean, this would not seem, you know, I think today if you turned on an episode of Doctor Who and it was like overtly Shakespearean yeah. in this way, we kind of don't expect that. But I mean, I think an no. audience in 63, I mean, there are episodes of Doctor Who from this era that are basically Shakespeare plays that are just, yeah. uh, you know, not written by Shakespeare. Um, well, and you have four or five parts. You have, you know, all these really... And, I you know, I think that I said this before when we were watching some of the classic episodes before. You have much more a feeling when you're watching the classic era of who... <laughs> it's it's the history of television, folks. Um, it feels more like a theatrical performance because that's kind of some of the reference points at the time. Like, I mean, they're almost shooting this live to tape. Yeah. I mean, they're not quite shooting it live to tape. I mean, but it's basically live to tape. Yeah, and if you want proof of that, there's one point 
where like the caveman is holding Susan and she's supposed to be struggling and they're in the background, but like he looks so friggin' bored and she looks like she's just writhing against him and it caused for many minutes of humor. Um, yeah. Especially with the homoerotic uh, fight scene in the cave later. <laughs> There's, there's some, you know, there's definitely a lot of man thigh in oh, uh, so in much man thigh four of this. Um, so much man thigh not and as chest. Much, not as much as in uh, Planet of Fire, which we will eventually watch. Oh, um, yeah, you know. So, um, but all of the women are completely covered. Yeah, no. Interestingly, you know, it is, it is really. Um, I do want to. I don't want to make this 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 podcast the sexism and Doctor Who podcast, but it's something that we're going to keep coming back to over and over again. Um. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Actually, I do kind of want to make it the. I want to. You know, we want to talk critically about things in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um. I think you know, for nineteen sixty three, mm-hmm. this is a very kind of forward thinking. Um, in a lot of ways, right. but particularly in terms of, you know, Barbara's portrayal and in terms of the portrayal of the women, kind of the mm-hmm. other women in the tribe struggling against their own gender expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you have two kind of major speaking parts, um, the kind of the old woman and then the uh, the girl, uh, her, who is mm-hmm. being essentially sold off to the leader of the tribe by the... And uh, what's interesting, man. though, is she takes control of that by convincing her dad that Zaw is the one that she should go with. I mean, she literally says, Zaw's going to learn to make fire, and then he will bring you meat. Yeah, if, and, you, if you, you know, give me to Zaw, he's going to remember this, and he's going to feed you later. He's going to feed you later, and she's using it as a way of saying, like, don't fuck with me, I want to keep, I yeah. want to be with Zaw, I don't want to be with Cal. Yeah. Um, And Cal is even more of a, 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 a thug than, yeah. um, you know... But uh, it is sort of one of those things to where, um, I think in, in a feminist standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, and this is kind of going to be a general theme that I'm going to keep coming back to, mm-hmm. Doctor Who gets a lot of bad uh, press or bad credit mm-hmm. for not really writing female characters the way it should. Um, I think as we go forward, the way that Doctor Who um, interacts with feminism through, especially in the 70s and the, in mm-hmm. the 60s, um, very forward thinking, but I think that in its uh, racial portrayals, it is really, really lacking. And I don't see as many people talk about racial stereotyping in Doctor Who. Yeah. And, you know, the, the kind of casual use of the word savages, you know. Yeah. Um, you no, know, and the imperialistic very... kind of sentiments and the white savior sentiments and the... Um, oh, I remember I said this when we were watching. This reminded me of a new word that I saw used online that refers to not just patriarchal or feminist structures or patriarchal structures or feminist issues, um, but talks about intersectionality of... You're going to have to define some terms here, I think. Okay. So. Okay, so when we talk about shit and we talk about sexism and racism and all that other shit, if you talk about it all at once... You're, we're calling it kyriarchy or kyriarchy, depending on how you say it. K-Y-R-I-archy, um, which is A-R-C-H-Y. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my patriarchy has a first name. It's Kaiway. Kaiway. All right. Anyway, anyway. No, sorry. You get uh, the joke. It's yeah. My apologies. That yeah. was ridiculous. Really good. Um, but yeah. So I think it's fair to come to this and say, you know, I don't just want to talk about one kind of portrayal. Let's talk about how. And I mean, this is, you know, I think what we study, if, if you go into the hypothetical field that I want to go into someday, um, looking at pop culture as a representation of society at the time. And, sure. you know, if, if this is our entertainment, what does it say about us? 
to well, some degree. And what does it say about, like, I mean, 1963 in Britain, I mean, even today, mm-hmm. I think we were talking about this kind of when we were watching the episode, mm-hmm. but um, the class structure is very prevalent in mm-hmm. British culture, much more so than we as Americans, I think. Mm-hmm. We don't see certain things, and I think one of the things that's interesting is that um, the Cole Hill School is, you know, it is a... Um, comprehensive school, I think, is the term for it. It was it was kind of this new idea of how we're going to educate children, you know, kind of uh, all together instead of having, you know, um, pr- essentially private schools with school uniforms and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And when we come back to Cohill School later in the 80s, we come back once, and then in Series 8, mm-hmm. um, it feels like Cohill School is a little bit more of a private school. You know, they're wearing yeah. uniforms, and they're, you know, so um, there is, I think, a... a in 1963, this portrayal of a school actually looked a lot more like what the schools that the kids watching it would have been going to, as opposed Doctor to, Who was the Degrassi. Well, well, Doctor Who was era. Doctor Who was like it's it's taking this uh, far off concept of this magic box that can go anywhere in space and time, and it's grounding mm-hmm. it in this very real world. Yes, and I think that that's the key. I mean, and that's something mm-hmm. that science fiction really kind of has to do to. Yeah. You know, if you don't buy the characters in the situation, then you're not going to buy the uh, more far-off elements. And I think that's sort of some of the issues we've run into with the modern stuff, if you kind of look at it from a broad perspective. Well, and I think... I just don't buy the characters enough to buy the, the and situation. So I'll make this as a, a, a very general statement. We're not going to say the M-word. Yeah, right? I believe this is a general statement. This is not just the M-word. Um, it is common in contemporary entertainment to kind of be afraid of a still moment. Yep. Um, even in horror movies, you don't have many moments where it's just a long shot on nothing. Even though, uh, well, paranormal activity and those have, right. have kind of started to take advantage of it again more, but... There's, the mo- this, there's this fear of boring the audience. Yeah. And a lot of 60s who kind of commits this sin, don't get me wrong, of really being hard to take in, in long doses. But you're not supposed to take it in that. You're supposed to watch it 25 minutes a week, you know? Right. And... I think if you try to consider it both from the time context, but also, I mean, I, I think it's it's still really good to watch now. Um, but the world building. Yep. The world building is really what we commented on throughout, of the fact that even if you don't know this much about this time period, um, you can still understand these characters and yep. how they relate to each other and... You know, there are reasons why, like, Barbara may be very pragmatic and practical, but it's her empathy that kind of grounds her, and Ian may be a little blockheaded, and, um... He gets a little stubborn. He gets a, little a little stubborn. He's a little action man, you know? He's, he's yeah. He gets to be the, the soldier, you know, but very his, much, you know? But his belief and support and his morality... So, I guess what I'm saying is, you get within the first episode really complicated, um understanding of each of the characters you get a lot of characterization right um and then as the story goes on you have all these moments where they get to prove themselves they get to um but it's in moments like barbara and ian sitting in a car watching and waiting for susan to come back to the junkyard Mm -hmm. and that's when you have the kind of quippy back and forth where he's like ah you just wanted to come here because you're being snoopy and she's like if i thought you had felt that way i wouldn't have come jerk you know do, do, do you think do you think she means that or think she's just like yeah i know i wanted to make out with you too but i can't i have to pretend to you know you know and i think it's a little bit of both it's like you know i wanted to spend time with you but psh, 
like be honest with me. Yeah, no, I mean, because she, she does she, that to him. She calls him out on it, and love um, it. Yeah, no. Um, if there is a a uh, a couple that I ship in Classic Who, it's Ian and Barbara are pretty much the you know. I like that you pretend that you don't ship like tons of couples in Doctor I, I Who. I do, I do ship tons, and we're gonna talk about a lot of them. So I think, many of you know? them. Um. Um. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of other. There's <laughs> that, a really. She, Shana just literally slapped her knee. I'm gonna leave that sound effect <laughs> in. Schmack. Um, but yeah, also like the moment between Zahn, her, and the cave. Um, you have these moments that are again like Shakespearean scenes. Those little moments in between where there's conversation between two characters. You know those. Um, and then you do have scenes with a lot of people. You have scenes with the whole tribe, but they're used for a reason. The action is used for a reason, even if the action scene in this is, like, really hard for Shayna to watch. I don't know. Maybe other people don't find it quite You're as... talking about the big fight scene at the end? Oh, yeah. Between Zah and Cal? Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> Um, it, it's a, it's very 1963, we had $4 to do this, you know, is, and hired a couple of stuntmen to roll around. It is know. an unedited gay Doctor Who porn, is what it is. Like, <laughs> soft, softcore Doctor softcore. Who porn, yeah. Just, if you just cut out, like, a few seconds here and there, and, like, add some sound effects, like, there you go. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with you, and, um... Well, now I really do want you to see the Aztecs, um, but we're gonna we're gonna save that for another um, because uh, there's some there's some pretty uh, yeah no we're homoeroticism in Doctor Who is definitely something we're gonna come back to. But, Yay! Um, you know, uh, <laughs> wasn't the director of this episode gay? Um, yes, uh, I was actually gonna mention that, so thanks yeah. for mentioning it. Um, produced by um, Verdi Lambert and Cindy Newman. Um, Verdi Lambert mm-hmm. very quickly becomes the kind of producer. The big, the main producer of the show. Um, she One of was, the coolest women in history. She was 28 years old when she, this was made. And a 28-year-old Jewish woman who was given this little educational show. And, I love you, Verity. Um, unfortunately, died a few years ago. Yeah. But um, if you do on this DVD, which I do, um, she actually does a commentary on a couple of the episodes. And you can listen to that. Which and is awesome. It's awesome. It really is. Um, but also directed by Waris Hussein, who is a gay man from India. Um, which is, you know, again, one of those things that you might not notice necessarily and you might not put into context of like man somebody somebody with the name Waris Hussein had a job working at the BBC at this time period somebody with the name Waris Hussein directed the very first episode of Doctor Who mm-hmm. you know and 51st anniversary today and we were talking about the 50th anniversary special mm-hmm. um what is it the the day of the doctor the day of the doctor i Oh, all oh, the, of the like, doctors get really confused. Yeah, it just sounds like friggin' Romero movies at that point. Anyway, but don't, I love don't, Romero don't, movies. Don't, don't, yeah. don't belittle my, my beloved Romero movies. Yeah, my know. beloved Romero movies, too. Yeah. Anyway. At least the first two or three. Shush. Um, God, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's Hussein is awesome, and oh. uh, to, well, to have that kind of representation among the 
among the oh. production team then. But we're talking really, about the day is, of the doctor. Which is really a sign, honestly, that mm-hmm. nobody really thought this show was going to do anything. So you give it to, you know, the, the, <laughs> the untouchables, the, essentially. The Jew you know? and the gay Indian. Exactly. The I Jew mean, lady. I, I I think there is an element of that. And I yeah. Think, um, well, and, but you should that's... absolutely watch an Adventure in Space and Time. Yeah, an Adventure in Space and Time, um, which I love and I wish... Like, they did another movie like it. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of great history of Doctor Who you could... Oh, it could be so fun. Um... Also, the performances in it are really good, I think. I, there's even stuff that kind of gets elided in an Adventure in Space and Time from the first Doctor right. era. There's some really interesting behind-the-scenes stuff that... Um, yeah, they didn't like. have time for. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about that was that it made such a point of saying this was a show that rewarded a group of underdogs. Mm-hmm. This was an actor who never got good parts that he wanted. He was... um. Always playing the mean military guy, right? He was, he was pretty much uh, William Hartnell. Um, mm-hmm. There are differing accounts of him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he kind of gets the reputation as, oh, he was just the old crotchety racist guy. Yeah. Um, there are some accounts that differ as to how prevalent that was. But, you know, That's fair. a man born in 1908, I believe. I, I, yeah, 1908 sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, not and, to forgive you know, racism, but, like, that's a situation where he's probably going to just be racist. Uh, you know, um, he was a man of his time. Yes. But, um, you know, obviously he, he worked... For this show, and, and mm-hmm. he, I think he, particularly in this in this story, he gives a really great performance, and I think it's, there... it's him that it hangs on. Yes. But you know the fact that you did have this kind of diversity in the mm-hmm. in the crew and in some of the cast. It as well. feels like in this first episode, in the first, and I'm when I say first episode, I actually am just referring to the first part, an earthly child. The first twenty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the first twenty five minutes, and the rest of the story, I feel like really supports the first twenty five minutes, but particularly the first twenty five minutes. I feel like you have, you know, one of those great move moments in television history where it just feels like everybody's excited. Yeah, no. Um... It, it, you kind of see a twinkle in Hartnell's performance, and Susan has all these weird, gorgeous little moments where she's, like, listening to music, the rock music that just felt a little bit off, but also, like, oh, she's really cool, but, gosh, she's kind of weird. And Apparently it was composed for this episode. Oh, that's that, nice. That bit of music. I, I, I'm not positive on that, but I think it was actually made for this episode, That'd so they cool. didn't have to license somebody else's That comment. makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I just... Um, you, re- you know the Beatles actually appeared on Doctor Who later, right? No. When? <laughs> I, I'm... We could watch that episode next if you want. Is it awful? You're making a, a really uh, mean face. No, not, not at all. Um, it's actually the very last uh, Ian and Barbara episode called The Chase. It's got the Beatles in it? The Doctor has a device which can view anywhere in space and time, oh. like in the corner of the TARDIS, and basically they turn on this like magic TV and they're watching the Beatles is one of the things that they watch. Okay. So and but so, the Beatles weren't actually. But the Beatles on weren't the actually show. like on the TARDIS. Oh my god, you, you had know? me going for a second. I was like, wait a second. Was Paul McCartney on a TARDIS? Because I need to see that now. Apparently there was a rumor. Um, that when the she just slapped her leg again, so that's I'm sorry. the spike you just heard. No, <laughs> I'm an expressive speaker. You are, you are. Um, apparently, there was there was a rumor that in the uh, '90s when they were trying to bring, or pardon me, no, in the '70s they were talking about doing a another Doctor Who movie 
um, like the Peter Cushing ones, you know, like mm-hmm. they were, they were, they were, and they were going to completely recast it. And uh, the plan was to try to get John Lennon to play the Doctor. Shut up. Which shut your face. Which I think would have been awful, personally. Probably, but still, like, mm-hmm. th- can you, like, it would have been awesome or awful. And if it had been awful, like, can you imagine moments where, like, you have the Doctor saying, like, sh- shit, like. I don't know. Maybe we should beat it. Like, if they had really awful, stupid beetle pun jokes, and imagine. I don't know. Yeah, let's, 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 not, let's not think about that. But can you imagine, Somebody like, make fan art for me, please. Imagine Tom Baker leaves in, like, 77. Fan art beetles, Doctor and Who. And then John Lennon ends up being the fifth Doctor. Oh my god, Tom Baker and then John Lennon? You know, oh just, just my imagine god! Just imagine it. Like, the timing works out roughly. <laughs> If anyway, that's I don't, the timing. I don't, I don't know how far this like idea went. I think it was supposed to be like a theatrical film, oh. but the but the show never like it really didn't hit the kinds of ratings. And I think it was just sort of something as people were spitballing. But hey, like that's that's I just want to know like like what if Ronald Reagan had been in Casablanca sort of yeah. moments? Yeah, this know? is like okay. So if our lives were an episode of The Simpsons, this is where they would have like a, a little two second bit where like it's like imagine if this happened. Do-do-do-do. Um, which then Family Guy stole and ruined. Yeah. But... But we're not talking about those shows. Nope, we're on Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, and we're, we're totally kind of off, you know. But anyway, so the Beatles actually... It's kind of one of those things where I was hoping to just uh, one day show you the chase. Mm-hmm. And you just suddenly see, the Beatles were on Doctor Who, you know? Um, but... Uh, but then you said it and I misinterpreted. Yeah. No, the chase is actually um, not a bad episode, but it's not the one I was going to show us next. Okay, um, that's fine. But, uh... So which one are we going to watch next, Daniel? Well, um, before we get there, any more thoughts about an earthly child? Any any four parts of it? Um, um, first, let me let me just yeah ask you a pointed question. Um, mm-hmm. Would you, if there was somebody who had only seen the new series mm-hmm. and was interested in classic Who, or maybe in somebody who never seen Doctor Who before at all, like would you say, hey, pull up the the very first episode from nineteen sixty three? Would you recommend this episode to somebody who either a had only seen the new series or b hadn't seen any at all? It depends on the person. Sure. But I could see with some people being able to say, hey, I think you should sit down and watch Unearthly Child. Doesn't even matter if you watch the 100,000 BC stuff. Right. Um, and then watch Eccleston's first episode, Rose. Rose. Yeah. I think if you go- did that, I think that that would be a really interesting way to introduce somebody to be like, here's the first episode, lots of stuff happened, and then this is how it came back. Because I, I do get that feeling of, in, in the reboot, of, of trying to say, okay, let's approach this how we did in the beginning. Because it is another episode that focuses on the companions first. And I know a lot of the regeneration episodes are. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that... Um, but it would give you a good scope, I think. I think that after your Capaldi, after Series yeah. 8, you know, you kind of get that little bit more irascible doctor, that mm-hmm. little bit more of a... You know, not as huggy-feely, not as empathetic doctor. Mm-hmm. And I think people might be a little more prepared for it. But um, I do think, you know, you, you kind of hit, hit the, the, the nail on the head with that. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head mm-hmm. with that, with saying, you know, watch the first 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Watching the next three, you know, particularly for new fans who are, you know, new series fans. That would who be difficult. Wouldn't be used to the pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. you kind of have to get into 
Doctor Who's pacing in in a little bit different way. I think it's a little hard to introduce people to the show through that. But I think it's a quality episode. And I think mm-hmm. if if somebody was interested, like what? So what happens next when they land in this like desolate place? I think yeah. All right, let's let's it's start watching. It's worth watching. watching. You know, and Spoiler. honestly, yeah. we were gonna rewatch it. And I was remembering the caveman stuff, and I was like, eh, gosh, I don't know if I really want to rewatch that right now. But once we started into it, and I think I had more patience for it, because I I just know what having a four-part episode feels like now. Right. Because I've seen a few. And the four-parters are, are definitely, you know, it's, it is interesting that they kind of eventually moved to a basically four parts was kind of the structure of the episode, yeah. of, the, of the series, that... Almost all of them, after a certain point, are four parts. Um, of course, it took them like fourteen years to get there, but uh, you know, uh, that's not, it took them more like twelve years. But um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't want to be corrected on my, you know, like, took them fourteen years. Well, actually, I mean, sorry, well, like actually, after an arc in space, there were, uh, you know, oh, only you know eighty-seven percent of the episodes. The you geek, know. the geek, it is with you. Yeah, no, it is, but. Um, you know, and, and it does feel like a very natural format for Doctor mm-hmm. Who. I do think that this one, um, if we're going to be a little more critical of it, then, um, you know, kind of the last part, part four, kind of, it goes on, it kind of loses some of its steam, you know, as you're kind of, mm-hmm. oh, and now we're back in the cave again, and there's a lot of interesting stuff with, like, mm-hmm. even the, you know, in our society, we all know how to make fire, the fire mm-hmm. maker's the least important person. The way that you know, the doctor learns to appreciate the tribal people, right. and starts to essentially speak their language to be able to reason with them. Right. Um, and the way that Ian and he reason with Zaw well, differently. Like, there's some interesting stuff, but there's also a lot of just, there's ooh, a lot of, fire. There's a lot of kind of running around stuff. and a ooh, lot of, run and get them. Um, but, so I do think that part four kind of, I still really like it, but I think it kind of hits a peak somewhere in, you know, part three and then just kind of. Yeah, and then there's that one part where they're running through the dark and it's just their faces. That's a budgetary and like... Oh my god, it's so so funny. And if you notice, right before that, I think it is, Barbara trips and falls in the forest... And, like, you see the doctor just run right by her. <laughs> He's just like, screw that hoe. And then when you see <laughs> when you see them getting into the TARDIS... I don't have to outrun the tribe. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> yeah. When you see them running into the TARDIS, he's last, though. So I'm like, ha they caught up on you, old man. You know, the, the first doctor is an old man. You know, you can't... You, and you he's, know. like, huffing and stuff. It's great. Yeah, I love... Um, there's a lot of great stuff here. And uh, I've uh, pulled some quotes from this and I'm going to use those in our intro, so you'll get to listen to some cool little moments uh, from that. Um, And hopefully, going forward, I'll actually be kind of taking bits from the episodes we're talking about and use that in the intro instead of kind of just stuff that I think is cool from any episode. That's fair. Um... Um, but I will say, I don't, I don't think we mentioned this. There, there's a line at the very beginning, or not at the very beginning, but in An Unearthly Child where Barbara and Ian are going into the trash yard where they will find the TARDIS because they're following Susan. And Barbara says something along the lines of like, I'm afraid we're about to do something that's, you know, going to change our lives, you know? Right. Um, and this is also the episode where we have the Doctor, in an almost offhand context, say, well, fear makes companions of us all. No, and this is, I mean, that was, I'll tell you, you know, because I watched the first episode in Earthly Child. I watched all the new series, mm-hmm. and then we watched the 8th Doctor TV movie, mm-hmm. and then I went back and I started from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you and I watched this together. And I remember watching 
the very first episode, and you're going, like, this is really cool. And then you get into the caveman stuff, and the pacing is really slow, and it's like, wow, this is... The, I might not do this, but that moment where he says, fear will make companions of us all, mm-hmm. is the moment I decided to watch all of Doctor. Like, mm-hmm. that was it for me. And it's such a great moment, and that is one of the things that is actually quoted here. And um, probably part of why I really liked Listen was just kind of bringing that back and, mm-hmm. and really selling that moment again for, for new audiences. Um, you know, so. Well, because I think Doctor Who has changed so much in its existence. It's been a lot of different things. It's to a been lot of a lot people. of different. It's been a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Uh, but <laughs> that's what I said. Um, I think that the heart of it, or at least the heart of what you know, you and I like, is there in the first episode, and I think yeah. that that's important. Yeah, I think no. it's important to know that, and I think um, as a fan, it's important to me that like. I can look back and say, the show isn't just good now. Like, look at its role in television history and really understanding what a big impact Doctor Who has had is really, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, it's been such a uh, uh, cultural touchstone for so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's been such a, uh, I mean, there are a lot of really bad Doctor Who episodes. Oh, so um, many. You know, and a lot of ones that are just kind of really pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's good, it's it's one of the best things that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, you put it next to Shakespeare in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, or, or any artistic medium, I think, that, you know, you mm-hmm. the best episodes of Doctor Who are some of the best artistic creations ever and i think in an earthly child is particularly that first 25 minutes is in yeah no i mean that that is a a moment in tv history it is and we're recording on the 51st anniversary so how cool is that um one more thing i want to mention before we kind of wrap up here and Mm -hmm. just want to get your opinion on uh what do you think of the idea of the doctor bashing in a caveman's head with a rock wait when does who does he kill uh, when Zah has been uh, mangled by this wild animal, yeah, and Ian and Barbara are trying to save his life, and oh, the doctor my. is essentially saying, "Oh, I picked up this rock. Oh no, I was just gonna question him. No, I wasn't gonna." And I mean, it's very right. clear that the you know this old man is basically like, "Look, this guy's gonna show us, slow us down. They're gonna come get us." The doctor is not a hero in this. Um, no, and no, what he I... is learning to be a hero, and I think he has great moments. But what do you think of that? But scene? I think that that is what. I like about Doctor Who in this, and what, I, what part of what I talk about, or part of what I mean when I say that there's the heart of it is in this episode is, you know, the Doctor doesn't travel alone. He doesn't travel alone for a reason because he has learned that he has a lot to learn from humanity. Yep. Because even even though we may be evil, and even though we may be someone may be about to cut our throats. We may turn on a dime and be a Barbara or an Ian and say, you know what, maybe today I don't let that guy die just because he was going to kill me. Maybe this is my opportunity to save him and, you know, teach him something valuable. Absolutely. I mean, the doctor learns from his companions. Mm -hmm. The companions learn from the doctor. It is about, you know, I mean, it it is about kind of morally flawed individuals, but Mm -hmm. it's really that kind of thing when I say that the doctor is not a hero here. He is becoming a hero. But I, I don't think it's really until the Dalek invasion of Earth that he is unambiguously heroic in an episode. Yeah, and I like um, that. I like that it takes a few episodes for the Doctor to decide he's going to be a hero. And I like, um, I mean, that's one part of 
wait for it, this series, the most recent series that we watched, Peter Capaldi, that is a part of that doctor that I like, is that there there does come through this sense of he is old and he is stodgy and he has he's so angry and he doesn't want to like anything, but these people around him force him to see what is likable yeah. and, and kind of understand that humanity, that human connection. Um, we can talk about the writing in other episodes like we did. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come back to that. But I think that's, uh, I definitely, you definitely can't talk about an earthly child without talking about that scene because mm -hmm. I think that's, uh, really important not just to, um, this episode, but to the whole, like, arc. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people will defend certain things done by, like, the 11th Doctor by saying, well, the Doctor's always a dick. And they'll point to, like, oh, yeah, the Doctor was about to kill that guy. Mm -hmm. But this is before he learned how to be heroic. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, anyway. That's just a complete aside, but you That's know, cool. part of the process of watching this episode is kind of noticing that. Mm -hmm. uh, further thoughts about any of this before we wrap up? I think we kind of covered this one pretty well. Yep. Um, uh, you were going to mention which episode you were going to show me next. Yeah, I'm actually going to ask you, um, do you want to see more Ian and Barbara iFuckery? Or would you like to move on away from Ian and Barbara? Um, Susan won't be in the next one I was thinking about, but uh, the, there's an episode that is pretty much... The first Doctor's one of the like most comedic episodes the first Doctor ever does that has Ian and Barbara essentially um, they act like they're like married and you know clearly this is the episode we should watch well or we can move along and we can uh, I can introduce you to Stephen and Polly Stephen and Polly seem so boring I or not Stephen only... and Polly um, Stephen and Vicky excuse me. You're thinking Ben and Polly, who we're going to watch one of their episodes. Well. Yeah, I just remember Polly looking kind of boring and cute and mod. Oh wait, we did watch one of their episodes. We watched the Tenth Planet, but we're not. Yeah. We're going to, but we're Vicky would be the next one who is uh, completely adorable. the first one. We'll watch more Ian and Barbara. Okay, so the next episode we're going to cover is the Romans uh, from uh, series two. Um, Expect me to talk about the Donna Doctor. That you will probably cover that. Um, yep. The Romans is a uh, pretty overtly comedic mm -hmm. episode. Um, it's a kind of experimental with the historicals, and mm -hmm. we'll talk about that the next time we probably next week after we get back from Chicago Tardis. I'll get it, get the disc from Netflix, and we'll watch it. So awesome! Um, so look forward to that. In the next, if we uh, don't get a chance to record that before next week, then we will do something else for the next episode. But our next kind of big episode will be the Romans. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Indeedy. All right, wrapping up here. If you are looking to find Shana's work on the internet, you can find her on Twitter and Tumblr at Inkyosa. That's I-N-K-Y-O-S-A. You can find me at Daniel E. Harper in either location, Tumblr or Twitter, uh, mostly on Twitter these days. You can find this podcast on iTunes or on Facebook or on Libsyn. We're at oispaceman.libsyn.com. And if you have comments, questions, concerns, or just want to recommend some episodes, you can either friend us on Facebook or you can email us at oispaceman. oispacemanpodcast at gmail.com. That's oispacemanpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Uh, check us out that way. Uh, any more thoughts, Shana? Nope. All right. Until next week, the balcony is closed. Sayonara. Vaya con Dios. Go with, go with orb. Go with orb. Go with orb. <laughs> <laughs>